You can sort it out in post-production. You can't sort out distortion. (laughs) (laughs) Now? Okay, good. Let's go. I am here with Chloe, who has been here before. We've interviewed you before. And what's good about having Chloe is that we haven't done a podcast for a long time. And so having you here gives us some kind of accountability. Yes. <laughs> so welcome back, Chloe. Thank you so good much. Good to see you. Um, since you were last here, you have become a school governor. Is that correct? I have indeed. Good. And what are you? Do you have specialism as a governor? Yes. Yeah, so I'm the CFC um, committee chair. What does that mean, CFC? Um, so it's a children and families committee. So what we um, look at is um, safeguarding. Um, children, um, behaviour, attendance, and anything sort of around the community um, within the school. Okay. But the main one is safeguarding. And that is your area of expertise? It is indeed. So what inspired you to become a governor? Um, for me, education has always been important. Um, I feel like I had a really good experience, especially in primary school, with education. And I felt like when once I finished my master's degree I wanted to sort of share that expertise um, within the educational system Um, when I was growing up I knew about school governors but they were always white middle class parents or teachers or people I never saw any black governors so I thought for me I'm a young black female I feel like I would be able to make a, a big impact on the governing board so I thought let me apply and see what happens and yeah success yeah so how did you go about finding a governor position because like you said not many young black people um are governors i mean i've been in education for 23 years and could count on one hand Mm. the number of black governors that i've um worked with so how how did you find a position um i spoke to um uncle kevin about it about what governors entail mm-hmm. um, and I went on YouTube and then I googled how to apply and um, there's a direct gov website that I went on to and explains everything in more detail about becoming a governor um, and it tells you like what area of education you work so is it primary school secondary school and um, you can do nurseries as well um, and what borough you want to work in as well so I um, that out and it also answers for your areas of expertise because some schools want someone that may if you've um, for example worked in finance they may want you to the, the board of governors so your areas of expertise you fill that in within an application and mine was safeguarding so yeah I filled that out and then I think I even forgot about it I think about five months later the school contacted me and said um, we'd like to meet you so let's think about your first um, governing body meeting. Yeah. How was that? It was petrifying. <laughs> I was so scared. Um, it was quite overwhelming as well. Um, I met with the head teacher and the chair of governors prior, and then we just had a conversation about what um, being a governor looks like and um, what to expect. And then they said, um, "Have a f- your first meeting, you so you can see what it's like." And I think sort of there's so many acronyms mm. and there's so many things about school that I didn't even think about that came up in that meeting like 
basic stuff that yeah and it it kind of made me feel overwhelmed for the head teacher and deputy head teacher because I thought they have so much work to do um but it was it was yeah it took took me a while to get my head around everything and made me actually really think this is a big commitment and a big responsibility yes it is it is so let's focus in on the safeguarding side of things um are there any things that have surprised you from the meetings that you've been to anything that's come up that's been a surprise i think how much the government relies on schools around safeguarding um and a responsibility that schools have and it's not just making sure um stuff within the school it's outside of the school as well and for me i think a lot of incidents that have occurred they're outside of school but the school are involved and for me that's almost like well that's not the school's responsibility um but it is is, yes (laughs) so for me that's something that i've um, had to get used to and to understand um, about that. Um, I also think about the area um, and because where it, I don't want to say where the school is, but the borough's Lucian and the area is quite an affluent area. However, there are still loads of school um, children are on that have pupil premium access funding. The school has it. So it's how they try and bring the children together so you have the affluent sort of parents and children that want to be involved in everything and then you have the other children that are not and their parents are not necessarily involved and there might be English as second language they might be um, social services involved so all of those other elements as well trying to make the school sort of more of a community that sort of work as well that the school has to um, continuously do I think that was um quite surprising and the lengths that they have to go to as well to make sure every child and every parent is included in whether it's assemblies um, decisions that they make yeah it is a lot of work so have you been asked to do anything specific any specific tasks so far in your role um not as yet have you done any training yet yes so i done um introduction to a governor's training um and that was organization council um, and it was really good because it was primary and secondary school. So we had, it was two parts um, and we spoke about how, sort of our worries and our fears. And it sort of made me think, oh good, I'm not the only one. <laughs> sort of thing. But it was really insightful. And what the um, train actually done, he had like a drop box and he dropped loads of information and booklets. So those are sort of like my references that I can go back to. Um, and look over documents of information. So thinking about your professional mm-hmm. role outside of being a governor, yeah. how do you do you see any links between your governor role mm-hmm. and and your professional role, mm-hmm. your full time professional role? How do you marry those two up? Yeah. So. In my full-time role, I'm an ISVAS, that's an independent sexual violence advisor, so I work with people who have been um, victims of rape and sexual assault. And what I've found more recently is that the government's um, new policy about working with um, schools around sexual violence and sexual harassment, 
I think that has played quite a big part recently um, and even today we had a meeting and we were talking about what schools can do um, to help um, which for me I found a little bit difficult because I feel like a school yes it's a hub it's a community but I feel like the government shouldn't be putting that sort of pressure on primary school teachers or head teachers to be able to advocate for children that have may have gone through sexual violence or harassment I don't think that's their area of expertise um and I don't think it's particularly fair um I also have sort of an issue that a lot of the teachers and school staff may have gone through sexual violence themselves and they may not be in a place to heal or deal with the trauma that they've gone through which is okay um, but to then expect them to advocate for children I think is really unfair and I think it's way out of a school's depth it's it's so specialized and you need a specialist worker to do that not okay here's another safeguarding thing that you have to do so although there's a link with my job and the gov um, me being a governor I don't particularly like that link because mm. I don't think it's fair for the school do you think that perhaps having um, some sort of counselling for teachers before they go into teaching, considering the way that education has changed, because the shift is, whether we like it or not, the shift is towards safeguarding, mm-hmm. safeguarding more than teaching and learning, I would say. Would you say that perhaps um, counselling for training teachers would be a positive move? 100%. I don't know what teaching's like, where, how they cover the safeguarding module, but I know part of you've got to do teachers training and you have to spend like a term in school. I feel like they need to spend a term in social services as well because I feel like the training for social workers needs to be as intense as it is for teachers because like you said, it's changed so much. Um, safeguarding when I was in school has completely changed to now. Um, and I feel like the teachers are pushed to do teaching and make sure children are have improved. Um, but there's also this safeguarding um, policy and issue that has been drummed into teachers' head to report, to report, to report. You've got to spot this, you've got to spot that. And it's so, it's overwhelming. Mm. So I feel like social workers, other professionals have supervision, so should teachers and training teachers. And I feel like safeguarding needs to be a lot bigger within teachers' training. I feel like it needs to be a lot more... Um, intent I feel like you need to cover more particular areas domestic violence sexual violence I think it should be a module throughout the whole year um and going into like even if it's a week whether it's social services or um a mental health institute or something but just so they can get sort of a little bit more of a favor because if you're asking them to safeguard 30 children then they need to be prepared to do that absolutely so you talked about um, this emphasis on peer-on-peer abuse mm-hmm. and harmful sexual behaviour. Mm-hmm. We kind of touched on that. Um, and I think lots of schools have noticed an increase in incidents of mm-hmm. peer-on-peer abuse and harmful sexual behaviour. Do you think those things were always there? Or do you think um, there are more occurrences of, of it because it's being highlighted in the media and Ofsted have done this research? And which came first? Do you think it's always been there? I think it's always been there. I think um, sexual violence is something that's been around for hundreds of years, so I always think it was always there. I feel like it is more—it is highlighted more due to social media. Mm-hmm. I 
things on telly and those sorts of incidents i also think that because the education around sexual violence hasn't been there i don't think it was always um it hasn't been identified so maybe 10 years ago an incident may have happened the school may have not had the language or the research behind them to be able be able to identify that with sexual violence whereas now um we have the research we have the theory we have a lot more information available to us so we're able to identify sexual violence and harmful behaviors so i feel like it's spotted a lot easier now um so i think they kind of come hand in hand yeah what would you say to a primary school teacher who was perhaps teaching year five or year six um and they witnessed i don't know um a boy being inappropriate with a girl perhaps smacking her on her bottom Mm -hmm. and um the teacher's response was well it's just banter it's just normal a normal part of growing up what would your response be to that to the teacher yes um I would ask them what part of banter that is. Um I would want to sort of get an insight to what their understanding of um peer on peer abuse and um sexual violence is, just to get a little bit more of understanding. Um I would really want them to go on some training <laughs> around um peer on peer abuse. Um and just have a conversation about them about how harmful it really is um and for them to really understand because i feel like things like that in can be said in jest and i don't feel like people always really understand the meaning um but i would want it to be boundary because i wouldn't want to push them too much because they may have gone through a similar experience and they may be saying it's banter because that's what the person told them so I'd have to tread quite carefully and make sure that they feel comfortable enough to share enough information with me. But I think training would be highly recommended for that teacher um, and just to get a little bit more insight um, about why they think something like that is banter. Okay. Um, just one last question before okay. we finish, Chloe. It's amazing that you, as a young black woman, have made the decision to be a governor. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can increase diversity in mm-hmm. governance across lots of schools? Ooh. I think showing people, um, whether it's via social media or um, just speaking to friends and family about what it entails to be a governor, um, I often find maybe people don't always know what it involves being a governor um what the responsibilities are and i feel like often within the black community we talk about how the educational system is failing our children um so it would be good if parents were able to understand the decisions that governors make and how they have to run through all their policies and all their decisions through the governing board they can't just do what they like and i think that would be really insightful for parents to know that they can actually make decisions about their child's school or even another school of interest or their local community. Um, So I think word of mouth um, and more training as well. Um, I think training is always very exciting. You can learn new skills. So I think that might be another um, direction people may want to think, oh, let me give that a go. But I definitely think social media is the one the way to go forward because i feel like that's what draws a lot of people to 
do different things so I think yeah well, on behalf of school children everywhere, thank you, Chloe, for being a school governor. People often forget that it is a voluntary position, yes. um, that you're doing it for free yes. and out of a love of people and education and yes. children. So thank you very much for the time that you've committed to the school that you're working with. And hopefully you'll be able to serve as a role model for other young black people. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for giving us your time and lending us your mind for this brief moment. We hope our views, thoughts and humble opinions have gone some way into helping you make a little sense of the big issues that affect us daily. Thank you.